So much happens each week, and it's important for me to write down as much of it as possible. Thank you once again for tuning in to another installment of the Charlottesville Community Engagement Newsletter and Newscast. And this is the one that has a timestamp of March 14th, 2021. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs, for another look and listen at things happening and things that have happened. On today's show, sounds from last week's groundbreaking of the first new public housing units in Charlottesville in a generation, a long check-in with the update on the Crozet Master Plan, Virginia Republicans pick a new method to nominate candidates for statewide office, and the Charlottesville Parks and Recreation Board is briefed on potential reopenings. In today's Patreon-fueled shout-out, supporter Lonnie Murray wants you to know about a series of seminars on spring and fall landscaping with native plants. Plant Virginia Natives has held two of these already, but the next one is coming up on March 23rd with the owner of Wild Works of Whimsy. This is a good place to start if you'd like to plant natives but don't know where to begin. Check out the link in the newsletter. Virginia Republicans will choose candidates for statewide office on May 8th at a convention that will be held at 37 different locations spread across the Commonwealth. The state central committee voted on a motion on Friday night to proceed in this manner, which is known as an unassembled convention. The previous idea was to hold one convention at Liberty University with participants driving through. There are 10 Republican candidates for governor in Virginia, including State Senator Amanda Chase. She had filed an injunction in February to stop the party from holding a convention rather than a primary. The suit was later dismissed. Democrats will hold a primary on June 8th. The Charlottesville Parks and Recreation Advisory Board met on Thursday night, about 10 weeks before outdoor pools are scheduled to open. However, the continuing pandemic and state of emergency could mean delays for this year. In February, the advisory board indicated support for planning for a normal opening. Ned Mickey is the chair. Staff are in favor of opening the pools on time and safely and are working with city council, uh, who's really going to be the deciding voice of city council working with city manager. Several people spoke in favor of the pool's opening so swim teams can have a full season. Parks and Recreation Director Todd Brown said council may take up the matter on Monday. The city council is working with the city manager on the decision of when um, and what we will open, what activities we will be holding, uh, or they would allow us to hold. The matter is not listed on council's agenda, but Brown said a recommendation might come anyway. Brown said staff are preparing to get the facilities ready to open, and transition plans are being crafted based on CDC guidelines. If pools do open, Brown said the city will need to be ready to hire people back as lifeguards. A couple things that are going on um, that are planned and some things that we're hiring for, the city market is going to open downtown on April 10th as a drive through um, And throughout the month of April, we will be assessing as guidelines change if how and when we can open that up into a walk-up situation at normal. Summer camps at the school sites have been approved, and we are hiring staff for that. Our summer camps that we hold at our rec centers have not yet been approved. The Parks Board also took action on recommendation for names for new parks. A 27-acre property across from Azalea Park is slated to be called Azalea Park West. 
a property on Moore's Creek that includes the foundation of the Hartman's Mill, is recommended to be called Mill Park. Davis Field is recommended to be called Unity Field at Northeast Park. The rectangular field is rented out to the soccer organization of the Charlottesville area. Hayward Community Forest, near the Ragged Mountain Natural Area, is recommended to retain that name to honor Jane Hayward. Count of three. One, two, three. Last Sunday, on March 7th, ground was broken on the first new public housing units in a generation. The Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority is building 62 new units on an athletic field at South First Street as part of the first phase of that facility's redevelopment. Audrey Oliver is a CRHA commissioner and resident of South First Street. For more than 25 years, redevelopment of public housing in the city of Charlottesville have been conversations and promises to residents for new housing and many, many, for many, many years. The promises became broken and residents became discouraged because the promises were never delivered. In 2010, the CRHA adopted a master plan for the redevelopment of public housing. And in 2013, a small area plan called the Strategic Investment Area was put together and adopted by city council as part of the comprehensive plan. But actual redevelopment stalled until after August 12, 2017. In the following year, the Dave Matthews Band committed $5 million towards public housing, and Red Light Management has worked to make the project a reality. Groundbreaking cannot occur until all the financial and regulatory hurdles have been cleared. Today, we're here to celebrate the groundbreaking of 62 brand new units to be built on this property. There'll be one, two, and three bedroom units. Oliver said CRHA aims to build replacement units for all CRHA properties. Charlottesville City Council has committed city funds to assist, including $3 million for South First Street Phase 1 and renovation of Crescent Halls. Council approved a performance agreement for that funding last October, and I wrote a long article about what that entails with a link that's in the newsletter. It will not happen overnight, but with everyone's support, we can make it happen. Plans for a second phase at South First Street have been led by residents, but those plans are not yet ready for the CRHA to apply for low-income housing tax credits in this year's cycle. In the newsletter is a link to the entire event, which you can watch on the city's streaming video page. It's well worth taking a listen to. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and it's time for another patron-supported public service announcement. Developers often cite long approval processes as one reason the cost of new housing is high. Many are going to make that case on Thursday, March 18th, at a meeting of the Central Virginia Regional Housing Partnership that begins at noon. Developers will talk about what incentives might work to encourage the production of more affordable units. The Regional Housing Partnership is a program of the Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission, and you can register in a link in the newsletter. That's Thursday at noon.
And finally today, a very long story that is a review of the Crozet Master Plan, which is slowly making its way through Albemarle County's planning process, and I thought this was a good time to check in. Crozet is one of seven designated growth areas in Albemarle County, and the Master Plan has been in place since late 2004. On Wednesday, March 10th, the Crozet Community Advisory Committee reviewed the draft land use chapter for the plan which sets the vision for the future of the unincorporated area. Planning manager Rachel Falkenstein said they are in the third phase of the community process, where the actual chapters are written based on broad recommendations that had been discussed with community members in previous phases. To kind of develop that content, we, we had a, uh, all virtual engagement because of COVID. We've been virtual for this phase of work. Um, several CAC meetings through the summer and fall of 2020. We had the online engagement opportunities. Um, and then, you know, just general feedback we've received through email, comments, discussions with community members and stakeholders. There have also been two work sessions with the Planning Commission. In the draft plan, there are five goals. Goal one, support the continued revitalization of downtown as the historic, cultural, and commercial heart of Crozet, with distinctively urban design and support a mixture of uses in Crozet's other designated centers of activity. Goal two, provide a variety of housing options that meet the needs of Crozetians at all income levels. Goal three, support existing neighborhoods and the historic context of Crozet through ensuring that new and infill development is compatible in design and scale with existing neighborhood fabric and allowing reuse of historic buildings. Goal four, Maintain a distinct rural edge along Crozet's boundary to provide a visual connection to its cultural heritage as a town nestled in the Blue Ridge Mountains. Goal 5. Leverage and amplify Crozet's artisan community, culture, history, and entrepreneurial spirit through creative placemaking projects and partnerships. But I'll remind you that this is a working draft. Um, there are some sections that need some more work. We have some placeholders in there. Um, we're still developing graphics and images to support some of the narrative. Um, the land use content itself is still, uh, you know, a working draft. We have this meeting, we have public engagement that we'll put up online, um, and then we have a board meeting coming up. So all of that feedback will, will continue to refine the draft as we go along. At the March 10th meeting, some CAC members wanted to get right into their critiques of the plan's current draft. Those five goals I just read are in support of a new guiding principle. Support and strengthen Crozet's history as a self-sustaining town while welcoming new and infill development that is compatible in scale and design and provides housing choice for all community members. Planning staff had intended to go through a presentation before taking comments from CAC members, but Doug Bates said he wanted to get his comments out ahead. And it's at that very first guiding principle that I have my most fundamental question. Uh, it says support and strengthen Crozet's history as a self-sustaining town while ensuring that new and infill development is compatible in scale and design with what is my question. You can't have a comparison with nothing. I think the intent was with the small town identity and the scale that would be appropriate there, but we can take that feedback and, and look at revisions to clarify. Okay, Rachel, that's, that's great. Um, I just know that things are in the eye of the beholder, and if you don't make it very specific, 
then it's whatever you imagine it's compatible to is the right answer. I would suggest that you uh, compare it to the neighborhood model. The neighborhood model is a zoning district in Albemarle that is intended to be used in the designated growth areas, where developments are required to conform to 12 principles, including pedestrian orientation, human-scale buildings, and redevelopment of existing buildings when possible. Tom Loach, a CAC member who also served on the Planning Commission from 2008 to 2015, called for the guiding principles to be removed in favor of keeping what is already in place. There are already a set of guiding principles that were in the first um, master plan in 2004, and they were repeated in the uh, second master plan in 2010. There are seven guiding principles, and I think we should stay with the guiding principles that have uh, stayed with us uh, for all these years. Loach also wanted two statements inserted into the plan to retain guidance to limit future growth. And one statement is a a restatement of the original intent of the uh, uh, consultants in the master plan that Carrizé would develop uh, out in about 20, a build out of about 20 years to a population of 11,200 to 12,000 and that we have reached that mark. Loach said his second statement would state that the existing infrastructure cannot support existing traffic. This came before a presentation of recommendations from staff, such as update residential zoning categories to remove barriers to housing affordability where appropriate, such as minimum lot size requirements, minimum frontage requirements, and minimum parking standards. Falkenstein carried on with her presentation on land use changes. Um, I would say the majority of the land use changes, this is to the map itself now, are kind of cleanup related changes um, and to kind of do two things, to try and bring greater consistency across all of the county's master plans in terms of our land use categories. Um, And the second is to bring consistency with existing zoning where appropriate um, to make sure that um, expectations are, you know, we set expectations for what development can happen um, when existing zoning is there to allow development. Falkenstein said growth projections remain similar to the 2010 master plan, in part because there are not many vacant parcels of land left in Crozet. She said the new land use map doesn't make too many significant changes. One change, though, is the creation of a middle-density residential land use category. Other changes relate to downtown Crozet. Themes of the feedback we heard, uh, concern about neighborhoods around downtown experiencing teardowns, and then also experiencing new construction that would be out of scale with some of those existing neighborhoods. Um, So we've heard a desire for more protection for some of these homes, especially the historic homes, and those that are existing affordable housing in in some of these neighborhoods. Falconcine said staff also had support for new housing types to add a little more density while not being out of scale, such as bungalow courts, duplexes, and accessory units. Staff had originally suggested a downtown overlay district to allow that additional density, but also heard concerns from many. And then concern that there was not enough clarity in it so that there wasn't a cap on the density and the infill wasn't defined. The new draft chapter recommends a study of architectural and cultural resources to further inform how development might look in the future with an eye toward neighborhood preservation. Another recommendation is an acknowledgement that there may not be as much demand for commercial uses in some of downtown. 
Doug Bates said existing neighborhoods could not support any additional density. Just because there may be more land behind some of these older homes, the roads do not support new growth at the expansion level that's being described in this in this document. Bates said that there should be no higher density by right than R2, or two units per lot. And if you want to build something more, you've got to ask if we can build something more. Tom Loach said the draft chapter reflected the words of staff and not the words of the community. Before the meeting, he circulated a five-page list of changes he wanted to see and said he wanted to take a motion to approve his changes. But you know what I mean? Otherwise, what's going to happen is this, we're going to be here, we're going to be talking, it's going to go back to the staff, and it's going to go forward the way it is. Loach would have to wait to make that motion, as Falkenstein had not yet finished her presentation, which included details on the middle-density residential category that is new to the updated plan. The idea is to encourage development of townhomes with accessory apartments. Um, we pulled feedback from the community survey, um, kind of two, two uh, sides of the coin here. One is that there's not enough affordable housing or increasing the availability is, is very or somewhat important to the community, but also limiting growth is really important to the community as well. So trying to strike that balance was what we were, were doing with this category. Falkenstein said the Planning Commission had supported this concept, but Loach objected and said they and staff were overstepping their bounds. So let me get this right. This is no longer the Crozet Master Plan. This is now the Planning Commission and Staff Master Plan. Because we voted against the middle density, and here we are back with it again. Votes by the Community Advisory Committees in Albemarle and the Planning Commission are not binding. The Board of Supervisors has the final say. CAC member Joe Four said the vote against middle density had been based on an earlier definition that had a higher density range. He supported the updates that staff had made. I, I very much appreciate Rachel and staff's tweaking of the middle density category. I, I really like this definition. I think this actually gets at, uh, I appreciate the form recommendations, the scale recommendations. I do think, I mean, Tom, to the point of whose plan is it? I, I do think a lot of this in terms of the form guidance Tiny houses, accessory units, cottages, bungalow courts, that's the stuff that kept coming up at these meetings where we had people putting stickers on things and saying what they liked and what they wanted to see more of. Four said he was disappointed that the middle density residential was not shown on many more areas of the land use map, which would mean that those kinds of units won't be built. Loach interjected. Joe, Joe, we voted on this. I mean, I understand. Well, Tom, we voted. I understand you like it, but we voted on it. If we want to redo the vote based on a new information, I think that may be something we should think about. Well, but, oh, yeah, the only thing I'm suggesting, I'm not averse to that. What about the current? Let him finish. Let's let him finish, please, Tom. I'm just suggesting, Tom, that the, the thing we voted on previously is, is actually, it's been changed. It's not what it is now. We voted on something that is now different. The presentation continued. Next were changes to the section of Crozet, where the old trail development is, to reflect what's been built and to better align terminology used in other master plans, such as the Pantops master plan. Tori Canalopoulos is another county planner. With our public input feedback online as well, um, heard support for designating old trail as a village center, um, and heard that it needs to continue to be a distinct and secondary center of activity compared to downtown, 
um, and heard the same feedback about um, why crozations visit Old Trail um, for those gathering, shopping, and recreation uses. The Board of Supervisors will have a work session on the draft land use chapter on April 7th. Before then, many Crozet residents want their views heard, and they took that opportunity at the CAC meeting. Oh, my name is Ann Dessertine. I'm with my husband, Albert Dessertine. We you. bought a house in 2013. We live in the west end of Old Trail. We love it here. And we are very saddened because we like this neighborhood. It's a neighborhood near the golf course, neighborhood with people with the walking trail. And many of our neighbors are now having an empty lot that was proposed when they bought the property by something on the web as a park now being zoned for commercial use. All right, I'm Matt Hilt, uh, born and raised in Crozet, live off St. George Avenue. Um, so I'm going to drop about 14 things. Let's hear the first two. For you all to consider. One, infrastructure, infrastructure, infrastructure. We've talked about it. We beat the dead horse. Sidewalks, bike lanes, parks. Um, doesn't matter what zoning you do. We need the infrastructure investments, period. No more if, ands, or buts or excuses from the county, period. Number two, whatever zoning allowed the development of the apartments on Jarman's Gap Road or the intersection of Jarman's Gap and Blue Ridge should be banned from Crozet permanently. Um, frankly, it should be demolished. Uh, if we're going to say it's providing low-income housing, I would love for the county to actually produce a survey that shows that any of the residents that moved into those apartments were former residents of Crozet who needed low-income housing. The speaker housing. is referring to The View, a 126-unit development under the R6 zoning built by Pinnacle Construction on land that the Piedmont Housing Alliance had previously intended to build at a slightly lower density. A historic home was demolished to make way for new buildings, prompting a lot of concern. This speaker also took aim at the person who had spoken from Old Trail, revealing a divided community. Really interesting perspective from the Old Trail community. I greatly appreciate your sentiment, but uh, I don't know that you recognize the irony in your statements. For those of us who grew up here, played in those fields, and had sixth grade science class in Slabtown Branch Creek, I'm glad you finally are opposed to more dense zoning. I would have preferred Old Trail not have been developed either, but we're about 20 years past that conversation. Loach wanted to keep on with the critique of the plan, but Pesh suggested waiting until the public comment period opens on this section of the plan. And that's it for this particular part of the conversation, because there wasn't much more discussion after that. There's a lot more time to continue these discussions, and I recommend reading an article written by Lisa Martin in the most recent issue of the Crozet Gazette that ponders whether Crozet should become a town under Virginia law and what some of the obstacles and barriers would be and challenges if that were to happen. And that's it for the March 14th, 2021 edition of the Charlottesville Community Engagement. If you would like to support this program, there are many ways to do so. One way is to subscribe through Substack. Another one is to fund my general research through Patreon. And another one would be to maybe sponsor something. One way you can do that is to contact me and we can talk about it. Uh, I've been now at this for almost a year. The next installment that you will hear will be will be a wrap 
wrap-up of the Charlottesville quarantine report will be a little bit different. We'll focus on that. And uh, before that, though, you're going to get another edition of the Week Ahead newsletter, which looks ahead at another busy week in Charlottesville regional government meetings, which are incredibly important because, as we've heard, the details of all of this stuff is important to someone. And if you put it all together, it's important to all of us. And that's what I'm here for, to try to bring it together so that we can all figure out what we are and who we want to be. Thank you for listening and stay safe out there. 